fuck you. That's my name. <laughs> Hey, this is Sharks Across Hollywood. Something, some Irish joke about introducing us. Uh, I don't have any. Something about Blarney Stones and leprechauns and shit. Maybe I should not Nailed say it. stuff like that. It's St. Patrick's Day, sort of. Hey, you know what? I'm Andrew. Right across from me, uh, my, 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 my person that I do the podcast with because I don't have anything clever to say because I'm I didn't plan anything. You're just Again. abandoning heteropod mate. Heteropod mate, non-heteropod mate. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Heteroflexible pod mate. There we go. The Reverend General Samuel Mance. The Reverend. I'm not the general. The Reverend I'm back Samuel to just the Reverend. Samuel Mance. We're going to talk about the reason I'm making so many Irish comments is because we're doing a movie, a, a really an underrated Irish movie called Sing Street, directed by John Carney. He used to play bass in a band called The Frames. I did not know that. That is not what he's really famous for at this point. He made Once and he made Begin Again and a couple other movies that I've never seen or heard of. He produced and directed a bunch of episodes of that show Modern Love. Which I have not seen. I have not seen it either. All I know is Once is one of the best movies I've ever seen. It was certainly in my top three for the year I saw it. I don't remember if it was number one or not, but it, w- it, it would have definitely been top three. Begin Again has a very good reputation, and this movie was delightful. I absolutely loved it. This, I, I call it, it, it's like his music trilogy is what I call it. Once, Begin Again, and Sing Street. This is my favorite one of the three. I don't agree with you there. I do still think Once is a better movie, but I understand if you do think this is the better movie. It speaks to me a little more than than once did. I mean, but no, you know what? I can totally, you know, I can totally see that because I'm a more <laughs> depressed, cynical fuck and you're a little more kind of embracing being trapped in adolescence. I'm gonna, I'm not saying you're more trapped in adolescence, but you're, we're both obviously trapped in adolescence, At least but you're little, more yeah. embracing of it. You are like, yeah, <laughs> I'm fucking okay adolescence, it. man. Let's watch some cartoons and, yeah. and listen to Newfound Glory and, you know, uh, so yeah, and me- meanwhile, I'm over here. I've been 45 years old since I was born, you know, so like, I'm just, I'm just, I, I, I've just been over life ever since I can remember. So, That's of course, a depressing story like once uh, speaks to me more. Life fucking sucks. There are so many parallels, though, of from between once and Sing Street. Beginning again takes place in, like, fucking L.A. or something. So, like, it, it takes you right out of Ireland. It's, okay. it's a great movie. Kira Knightley's awesome. Adam Levine is a weirdly good actor. Wait, really? Yeah. He doesn't suck, which fucking bums me out because I want to hate that guy so much. The Maroon 5 guy? Yeah. yeah. Really? All I've seen him do, aside from you know, being Maroon 5, is uh, the the American Horror Story season 2. Where he's just kind of there. And he to just get... kind of gets killed, yeah. you know. Yeah, no, he's 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 a main, he's a, one of the, not a lead, he's like, he's a tertiary character kind of, but he's important in huh. begin again yeah he's wow. in it all right um, yeah hey uh, i'm 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 always willing to give credit where credit yeah. is due so that'll that'll be cool i do own begin again i picked it up when i realized it was directed by john carney but i just haven't gotten around to watching it yet heavy recommend it's real good and uh kira knightley does her own singing in it i do love kira knightley which is kind of the opposite approach he took with his other two movies what are you talking about his once <laughs> glenn hansard and Marquette well, no, I, and glova did all their own no singing. i know what, what i mean is that he in once and begin 
uh, and uh, Sing Street, he hired essentially musicians who could act. Oh, instead okay, of actors yeah. who of could actors. sing and stuff. Okay, yeah, that that makes sense because yeah, that that was what was cool about Once is they're very clearly musicians, but they also acted well. Yeah, like, like they could actually do it. Well, yeah, we will have to do Once at some point. But his his thing was I listened to the commentary track. I I've seen that movie a bunch of times when it came out. You said you were you're you're now a cynical fuck. So you uh, I've always been well, a you cynical know, fuck. So so you prefer Once. Yeah, same back in the day, but that was also before Begin Again and Sing Street both came out. And that's also when you were still in that taking yourself seriously. Probably, I'm going to say oh. you were early 20s. Yeah, there was some very, very heavy pretentiousness flying around. That, when I that was, was into during that. your uh, utterly unironic phase that I went through too, but I never grew out of. Unlike you, you you matured a little bit and re-embraced your childhood sense of wonder. And now I just want to watch Power Rangers and Bloodsport and giggle all. The, yeah. <laughs> I just got crustier and angrier. You have fun every once in a while. I try not to, though. You like Ultraman and stuff. Thanks John's- mostly to you, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I know. I'm I- giving you credit for all for my ability to go back and enjoy that shit because if it wasn't for you I would have definitely calcified into <laughs> just a fucking fossil I'm happy that I can help a little bit an emotional fossil that's what I was trying to say I would have calcified into an emotional fossil John Carney said of once and the uh, and the two actors Marquetta Irglova and Glenn Hansard that he wanted he said the songs had to be performed brilliantly this is what what he said and he wanted instead of an actor who could half sing he wanted a or you know half play whatever he wanted a musician who could half act and I'm yep. like, yes, because they did really well. But the songs were the important part of the movie, really. I mean, the songs tell the story. Yeah. I mean, they, they really do. Like, all the subtext is played out through the song. And we've both stated our, voiced our dislike of musicals. Yes. My son actually was shocked that I wanted to watch this last night. He said, he IMDb'd it because he, he didn't know what the fuck it was. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, Dad, it's a musical. Are you serious? It's not a musical. <laughs> It is a music film. There is a difference. Yeah. I mean, I guess like... Technically, it's a musical. You could call it a musical yeah. because they do, you know, they do break out into song and they're... they're is a fantasy element to a lot of the the singing. It's not like once where everything is strictly realistic. There's that one scene in once where it's it only drifts into that musical territory almost, but she's still actually hearing the music on her headphones. And that's as close as once gets. Yeah. Otherwise, once is played very very straight. This does fully leap into the fantasy of the music. It does, but the music is still coming from somewhere. It's it not, is. It it's is. just in his head what he's envisioning while he's playing the music. Yeah. So it's it's not just like a Disney movie where people are bursting into song exactly that yeah. that is the main difference Pe- people aren't bursting into song as if the music is just being magically generated by the universe it's about <laughs> musicians writing songs and performing them and then we dip into the fantasy of what's going on in their heads which i think is probably the key difference as to why i like this I, and i like everything about it i unreservedly like this whereas with musicals <laughs> like a proper musical there i do have musicals i like despite my general disdain for them yes there i agree are yeah. musicals i like uh, La La Land would be an excellent example and not just because I'm super gay for Ryan Gosling well, but the, but I also like White Christmas despite some of its problematic elements and uh, uh, are you saying Bing route. Crosby's racist and beats his <laughs> wife and whatever I don't I don't know anything about that I was just mainly talking about the minstrel show number oh fuck I forgot about that 
I saw that movie in uh, in high school. They had us watch it in music class, I think. I basically I watched that movie with my kids and I and I was just like, look, minstrel shows are not as wonderful as these guys are making them out to be. <laughs> Oh. Minstrel shows are kind of awful. <laughs> well, guess what? We'll talk. We'll, there, there's a bit of a minstrel reference in this movie. There is. That's true. <laughs> it's kind of a reverse minstrel reference, and I was so on board immediately. I was like, yes. <laughs> and I'm like, I at first I'm like, why did he feel the need to throw that in there? It's like, oh, because he definitely had that conversation with somebody in the 80s. He absolutely did. Because this is semi-autobiographical. Yeah. Obviously. It, it, it's... It, <laughs> <laughs> it's very 80s and i don't say this about almost any movies that are based in the 80s you know how i get nipped like for ex- and now granted it's the worst possible example but take me home tonight how it just pisses me <laughs> off no end i've ranted about this on the show yeah. before and i will admit like that is the worst possible example of an 80s based movie but even with things like you know uh the wedding singer which is mostly mostly pretty good i'll still get like persnickety about 80s inaccuracies this movie i was convinced from frame one like nothing broke the illusion for me no nothing it, it was it was good it's a good movie i've seen this a bunch of times this is one of those movies i was walking i didn't know it existed and i was walking through target i saw the blu-ray i'm like oh that's brightly colored what the fuck <laughs> it really is the poster just like leaps off at you it looks like it, it's I, very pop i thought it was billy joe from green day oh yeah he kind of looks like yep. him on the cover yep i could see that and i'm i look at it i'm like the fuck's this and then it says oh by the director of once and begin again i'm like oh i'm sold but i didn't buy it i i just went home and i fucking thought about it a bunch and then it popped up on netflix and i'm like well i'm gonna watch it i fell in love immediately yeah because it's like fun but it's also kind of sad it's got it's happy sad i have exactly two complaints about this movie one is the end and it's not it's not the way it ends i'm fine with the way it ends it's just the cgi effects at the end are kind of shitty so like with everything else looking so good the boat cgi'd onto the water and them against the stormy background i get they couldn't actually shoot in the mi- in the middle of a storm on the sea between ireland and england i get that you couldn't do that how do you always notice shit like that i never do but the cgi like was so obviously bad that it just irked me and it's the it's the final shots of the movie, you know. So like it it just really irritated me because everything was so fucking good up to that point. And then the other thing is this: the music is so good that I find it impossible to suspend my disbelief and accept that teenagers wrote it because the music is fucking great for the era and for what the story is taking them through. It's all perfect, you know. And some of the songs are even really great songs. Rock and roll is a risk. You risk being ridiculed. I like the opening. It's kind of funny, but also sad. It's it's played for like ha- <laughs> a half joke. It's the main character, Connor, just he's sitting on his bed, like playing guitar badly because you, you can tell like he, he yeah. can maybe do it. He starts out singing the song, something about being the mechanic of your heart. I don't know if that's a real song or if he wrote it or what. Does that lyric show up in any of his songs later? I don't know. I have not watched this movie enough to pick up on that <laughs> uh, at all. But then you can hear faintly in the background his parents arguing. That's a big thing throughout this entire movie. His parents are fucking assholes. And well, I wouldn't say they're assholes. Eh. I think I think okay, all right. I'm probably going to be more defensive of them because I was in their position. Okay, of, okay, yeah. Oh, that's that. That's a good point. Of being actually, someone that's... who got married too young, basically, so they could get laid because your holy shit, wouldn't allow you are you. these people. Yeah, I mean, oh I, man, yeah. 
basically I and I have two sons and a daughter and my <laughs> oldest son like is totally telling his younger brother all the same shit that this guy he went in a different direction my son isn't a stoner loser but you I guarantee he's had that conversation where he's like I paved the way for you motherfucker that's a good point oh cool we have some other we have some extra perspective here we, get- we live in a society where we could get the divorce eventually yeah they live in Ireland they, yeah, can't they live divorced. in Ireland in the 1980s there's no divorce it doesn't exist but you can get legally separated which doesn't make any sense like just fucking let them divorce man fuck that it's weird fuck all religious laws (laughs) agreed (laughs) i say that as a man who sees some value in religion and i and still fuck that shit that's bullshit (laughs) it really is let your goddamn religion under me i'm sure we'll make fun of that plenty in this episode because that it comes back i think the mom says if we didn't share a mortgage i would leave you and then it cuts back to connor and he's like well it doesn't cut back because it's just him yeah it never cuts and he's singing like if we didn't share a mortgage i would leave you (laughs) he basically starts jamming to their argument (laughs) which is which is pretty funny i mean it's it's a good joke it's a great opener go ahead and leave then you stupid bitch It's good. That kid's really good. Like he's very he's he's got he's got the right amount of awkward. The character has some fucking balls though, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But he has to grow into him. Credit where credit is due. This this kid, um, like I'm jealous, man. Me too. I wish I had the balls on this kid. Holy shit. Then it has a little title card, Dublin, nineteen eighty five. So uh, As if I needed to be told. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh yeah, Ireland was going through a, a really, really bad recession and a lot of Irish people were leaving to go to England where they could not be broke maybe but it's it's, it's foreshadowing the whole fucking thing because the, the newscaster says a bunch of people from ireland young people are leaving with barely enough money to last like a week in in london or whatever yeah it was a rough time to be irish if i now i i don't pretend to know about it but i did um when i was living over in romania i met a couple of irish gals who were age appropriate like they would have been in high school in 1985 they would have been contemporaries with this kid you know to hear them tell it the 80s were a rough time especially you know i mean <laughs> margaret thatcher's Oh, whole oh God. Douchebaggery yeah. thing. And I really like that because my parents totally bought into the to the whole Reagan era Republican bullshit. And of course, Margaret Thatcher was, you know, she was like the English counterpart to that shit. And so they were like, oh, no, you know, I always thought Margaret Thatcher was a pretty good lady. And they were like, fuck that cunt. Especially with everything going on right now. Fuck all those fucking guys. It was just really nice to see someone with like actual experience just just unapologetically that is tell nice. my dad you're full of shit. Because my dad, <laughs> oh, my dad, like I love him and I, I do. He's a good person. Like he, re- he really is. But he's just up his own ass about a few things and he refuses <laughs> to see another perspective on him. I love it when someone with actual experience can just be like, you're full of shit, dude. Opening credits. Opening credits, barely. We, we get Dublin and that's about it. But after the title and all, and, and the newscaster and stuff, we get an awkward family meeting. It's the first of two in the movie. Like, you can tell this family doesn't really... Gel? Yeah. The dad is played by Aiden Gillen, who is always either a dick or a villain in <laughs> any movie I've ever seen him in. I thought he was pretty sympathetic, you know, like he's being shitty to his wife and she's being shitty to him and she's she's like full on cheating on him, you know. Not that he doesn't deserve it, you know, because <laughs> he's totally being a dick to her, you know, but like they're both being dicks to each other. So like, I yeah, I was pretty much feeling it. I, I thought he was I thought he was pretty good in this. And yes, like for anybody who who doesn't know him by name, he was Littlefinger. Littlefinger. Game, Thron- yes. Game of Thrones. If you don't know that, he was also the villain in Shanghai Nights. So awkward family meetings. The dad's just like, you know, we're we're fucking broke. So so we have to make some budget cuts and he rips into his oldest son who is a college dropout because he's kind he's being kind of a jerk oh like, no he's definitely he's definitely being a jerk i've 
been in that situation before the economically stressed situation in a marriage you don't want to be in (laughs) he's doing better than i did they are pulling connor out of school he's obviously in like a private fancy school ish maybe and they're pulling him out to send him to the christian brothers academy or whatever which is either a cheaper school or it's an all-boys school it's like public well, basically, I don't really know how that worked. The school he was in was a Jesuit academy. So obviously, I don't know how much you know about it, but the Jesuits, the Jesuits are like the intellectual arm of the Catholic Church. Like they actually preserved education and they, they value education. They value science. The Jesuits are so okay with learning that they are basically considered pagans by <laughs> evangelical Christianity. They're they're considered like borderline Satanists by evangelical Christianity. They're so cool with science and they're so about education. I'm not saying that I mean it's still Catholic, you know, so like I'm I'm not saying it's not, you know, still got its religious weirdness, but uh but the Jesuits are cool with science and 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 they they value learning and education. But they're still Catholic, so fuck them. <laughs> I'm not going to say fuck Catholics across the board. Maybe fuck yeah. Catholicism as you know as like I it's yeah it's it's a little brainwashy is so yeah oh, fuck yeah. catholicism you're well, right. i mean but that's the thing is like the jesuits are probably the least brainwashy of the group you know and, and so, i thought and so I, basically he got demoted to regular priests which is like the most brainwashy <laughs> of the group i thought jesuits were like the non-religious school so so that's good i didn't know i didn't actually know what that was i just looked it's it up about as close to non-religious as catholicism gets okay good i'm into it i'm not into it fuck it but uh, so he's he's getting sent to the christian brothers academy and he's like who are the christian brothers and his dad starts going like well the christian brothers and then his brother brendan goes the christian brothers connor are an order of the catholic church self-appointed in their education formation and systematic beating of their young charges oh shut up the dad goes do you know what their motto is and brendan goes let's rape our students And I'm like, fuck, that's funny. This guy's kind of edgelordy and a little douchey. But yeah, for sure. I watched this with Rachel and she looks at me and goes, that guy's you. You know that. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Their Latin phrasing, their saying is act manly. So right away we have an antagonist. Oh, just a little. <laughs> uh, but first, uh, we cut to his first day at school and we get some Motorhead. Motorhead is one of those old school metal bands that I don't hate. I didn't know who it was, but that song was pretty fucking rad. I totally get why... Uh in airheads they they said lemmy is god lemmy is god (laughs) (laughs) i get it so it's connor's first day at the new school it's rowdy and he's fairly nervous would have scared the shit out of me at his age oh my god yeah there's people fighting throwing shit and just being dickheads (laughs) we're in the classroom and all the all these kids are just they're smoking they're fucking around they're like are they playing cards and gambling and shit too i don't even remember i don't recall that i remember fighting and oh and and key to this element there's this fight going on in i don't know the quad whatever you know like this this open area that outside. all these dudes are in in <laughs> yeah. outside yeah there are these two boys fighting like really fighting he looks up and in one of the windows is a priest looking down oh, on it's, the whole it's, thing it's tacitly him. approving of it's it. brother baxter oh it is it is him okay yep. see i wasn't familiar enough with him he hadn't become enough of a character at this point to have stuck in my mind so in this classroom we have an older an older priest preacher guy significantly older (laughs) and i don't know if it's if he's out of it because he's old and deaf or if he's he's drunk if he's just drunk because he pulls out a flask when he's writing down uh some french word on the board no no he's writing down latin on the board he's got his back to the class the class is just it's just all manner of fuckery and he's just standing there with his back to it 
writing on this board, and then he just pulls out a flask, takes a sip from it, puts it back in, goes right back to writing on the board. And then Father whatever his name is. Brother, brother Baxter, whatever his name is. He walks in, and he's like, French, not Latin. <laughs> and the guy puts his hearing aid back in. He's like, what? <laughs> like, You're teaching French, not Latin. And then he goes, oh, how modern. <laughs> And then, and then Brother Baxter proceeds to insult the entire classroom and says, I doubt any of you fuckheads know where France is. And then Connor has to chime in like an asshole and go, it's north something something on the continent. And then Brother Baxter goes, you must be the kid from the Jesuits. Also, you little shithead, you have brown shoes on and we only have, we only wear black shoes here. So make sure you get your ass to my office in the morning with black shoes, which will become yeah, a this, thing. This guy's a real hardliner. He immediately is just like, hey, in case you were wondering, I'm an asshole. <laughs> And I am going to make this year awful for you if I have any say in it. Oh, yeah, he does. Uh, then he tells them about the canteen, and then Connor calls it the restaurant and gets made fun of because he's a posh piece of shit, apparently. What does the British word spanner mean? It means wrench. It does. I, I looked it up. I'm like, wrench? What the fuck are they talking about? So they use the word spanner a lot, which is apparently a wrench, <laughs> yeah, but also means dummy. You stupid, unintelligent person with more education than us. You just happen to not understand the word canteen. Okay. <laughs> we meet the bully. There's a bully. There's got to be a bully. And as as Connor's kind of walking by him, he's like, "Hey, man, you smoke?" He asks Connor if he smokes, and he's and Connor tries to kind of be cool. He's like, "Oh, sometimes I steal my some of my brother's tobacco." He's like, "Let's go into the bathroom. We'll have a smoke." So they go into the bathroom, and I wrote down that shit gets weird. It gets weird like immediately. So the yeah, bully, I, I definitely would not have gone into the bathroom. This guy had shady written all over him. The bully, his name is Barry, by the way, Barry Bray. This guy's pretty perfectly <laughs> cast. He pulls out this fucking big slingshot and he's like hey i hear you're a queer and connor's like the fuck what what and he's like pointing the slingshot at his face and he makes him dance and then he's like he just called him gay and says hey now dance with your pants down it's a power thing i guess no surprise that later on we we see this dude's dad just like straight up smack him right in the middle of the street yeah he gets a little bit of a redemption though so that's nice not the, not the dad, the bully. Yeah, the bully. Fuck the dad. Now we cut to uh, everybody at home at night and Top of the Pops is on because it's 1985. Yep. What the fuck else are you going to do? You're going to watch Top of the Pops. That's what you're going to do. The Duran Duran video. It's Rio. Actually, this is why I wanted to do this movie so bad because <laughs> Rio comes on the radio at work all the time. I hear it and I'm like, oh shit, I want to watch Sing Street now every time I hear it. <laughs> Yeah, I could see that. It's a good song, and it the is. the video's playing, and Connor and uh, and Brendan are sitting there watching it. The sister, whose name I can't remember, she is not. She is a non character. She's played by Kelly Thornton. Very, very cool. Very cool person. Who I She's should a, know from what? Nothing. It's another. It's another instance where he cast a bunch of musicians who could mostly act pretty well. That's fine, except she never fucking sings. No, uh, the the bully. He's apparently a really good musician. He's in a band and really? stuff. It's not like he casts anybody who can't act. I mean, everybody is everybody solid in this. They're watching this fucking Duran Duran video and dad has to chime in with his goddamn bullshit and he's like it's not exactly the Beatles is it fuck you <laughs> and then Brendan of course looks over and goes hey yeah you want to get the fucking time machine fired up for this dick over here <laughs> I agree. Fuck the Beatles. Respect to the Beatles for, you know, being being the fucking Beatles. But fuck the Beatles. I don't like the Beatles very much. I, I love the Beatles, some of their stuff. But, you know, we, we've said it on the podcast before. They're definitely overrated. Move on. It's okay to be into that stuff, but that, that's what I hate. He's, like, stuck in that yeah. in that thing. He His mind is completely closed. He's like, it's not the Beatles, therefore it's bad. It's like, hey, if you love the Beatles, that's great. But there's other good music, too. Yeah, like, I've been listening to Newfound Glory since I was 14, but I don't... 
every time a new punk band comes out, I'm not like, you, but it's not Newfound Glory, is it? Yeah, it's like, it's like Nirvana was my band, you know? Yeah. Like, I fucking love Nirvana, but, you know, if, if my daughter wants to listen to some other shit, I'll be like, all right, I'll give that a chance. So, fuck the dad for being stuck in the goddamn <laughs> 50s or 60s or whatever. Brendan is praising this video, and then we get a line from him where he, he looks at Connor and says, The jury's still out on which way these guys will go, but they're a lot of fun. And John Taylor is one of the most proficient bass players in the UK at the moment. Gives them a really funky edge, which I hope they're going to go for. And, oh yeah, they're not even playing live, and he's like, it's a video, and he calls his dad Robert, so that tells you how good of a fucking relationship <laughs> they have. Oh, and then the mom goes, oh, he's kind of attractive, isn't he? And then the dad's like, well, you're welcome to him. And she's like, you promise? <laughs> like, like, hey, maybe tone it down in front of the kids. You don't... Just this, this, the relationships in this movie hit so hard because I can totally see this being the way my relationship with my oldest son went if his mother and I had stayed together. Because my, my MO, not conscious, my, I, I want to stress that it was not intentional, but I saw it in retrospect once we split. Passive aggressive. All my aggression and frustration that I couldn't take out on my wife because, you know, I didn't want to get into domestic violence territory. I ended up turning into this passive aggression towards my son because he was the oldest and so consequently he was the one I expected the most from. And I was a dick to him for so many years at what, at, like literally within, <laughs> I, yeah. before my ex even moved out, once we had broken up, I was like, oh fuck, I've been really shitty to him for years now. His entire life, basically. Yeah. The most important part is that you that you catch yourself and you stop that shit. But I but I was only able to catch it once I got out of it. Once suddenly yep. the pressure to be a husband was off to this woman I did not want to be a husband to was off me. <laughs> then I could look at it and go, oh. Oh, God. Oh, wow. That I was can... really fucked up. One of the last things that Brendan says in this scene is he's looking at the video. He's like, it's beautiful. It's great. What tyranny could stand up to that? And then the camera like slowly pans in on Connor and you could just see there there's seeds being planted in this guy's head. <laughs> His brother is a really major influence on him. That's for sure. So the next day he doesn't have brown shoes, obviously, and he gets pulled into. No, he doesn't have black shoes. Black shoes. He has brown shoes. And so he had to go they're visit. They're poor as shit. So he only yeah. has one pair of shoes and he explains very very calmly to brother baxter he's like hey you know i didn't know about the policy when i bought the shoes and my mom said that we can't afford new shoes so what are we gonna do like there's nothing i can do about it and he's like okay well go fuck yourself you're gonna leave the shoes here every day until you can comply with the school rules i'm like fuck this guy is just like hey were you on the fence about me being an asshole because let me clear that up for you right now so then the clash pops up i fought the law they're in the canteen and you know connor buys a mars bar they don't have milky ways over there i guess they have mars bars which are basically just milky ways right barry the bully he shows up and of course slaps connor around punches him in the face steals his candy bar takes a bite and throws it back at his face this is where we meet darren he is the most irish person ever he has the thickest accent he is actually kind of hard to understand you need you need subtitles for this kid great little actor he's he's like perfect for this role he has this absolutely he has this annoying obnoxious confidence and i want (laughs) to slap the shit out of it (laughs) he hands connor this business card that he has made himself with just a a piece of cardboard and a pencil (laughs) and he's so cocky i love this kid he's great who is that psycho that's barry bray he'd be out for your blood for the year why because you've shown signs of weakness so how do you know him he lives in the same flats as me his man they're drug addicts but don't worry you just need to come up with a plan for the year. A solution. Hmm. Check it out. Darren Mulvey Business Solutions. 
Call me any time. There's no number on it. Ah, no, we don't have a phone. Just call around, yeah? <laughs> Just like shout, Darren. <laughs> hey, Darren, where are you? And this is where, okay, so this this is where this is where the plot really kicks into gear here. Darren and Connor are talking. Connor looks across the street and sees this sees this hot chick just standing by the standing on the steps. He's like, "Who's that? And why isn't she in school?" And Darren's like, "Uh, we don't know. She's like got a boyfriend who's like a drug dealer or something. She does. She's not interested in anybody. She's but she's there every day." So this is where I realized on this watch that Connor has the biggest balls I've ever seen. I was just about to say the balls on this kid are titanic because he hears she doesn't talk to anybody and he says what the fuck she doing over there then if she's not interested in any of us yeah he says why is she out there every day yeah so he walks right up to her he says hey uh you need a light oh she has like an unlit cigarette in her mouth and he's like hey you need a light and she says no i'm trying to quit he's like that's fine i don't have any matches anyways And she's like, what are you doing over here, schoolboy? She doesn't actually say anything, but he's like, hey, uh, do you want to be in... Oh, yeah, no, why Why aren't you in school, he asks. And she's like, I'm a model, I don't... And he's like, oh, like, magazines and stuff? She's like, no, I'm going to London soon. That's her plan. She's She wants to go to London to become a model, because there's not a lot of... Quote-unquote, there's not a lot of work for models in Ireland. And he says, tell me about it, like he's also a model. Because... <laughs> <laughs> He has balls. He doesn't have a plan. Then he goes, hey, you want to be in a music video? He literally just watched yeah. Rio for the first time last night. Yes. So, you know, he's like, yeah, hot girl belongs in a music video. It's it, Hey, you know what? It's a good idea. And she's like, so if you're in a band, sing me a song. I can't sing out here. You're going to have to sing for like thousands of people. I'm just one. Sing. Don't make me sing. Jesus. Sing that song off the radio. You know, the one by AHA. Sing it. Sing it. Take, so take, now slap. Take on me. Take me on. That's all I know. I hate that mentality too. If you're in a band, sing me a song. It's like, but I'm a drummer. No, sing me a song. <laughs> you want me to air drum? Uh. <laughs> this is Lucy Boynton, by the way, playing Rafina. Lucy Boynton is the cutest fucking person on the planet. So Rafina agrees to give him to be in his video. She's, well, not agrees totally. She's like, I might and maybe. And then he, she gives him her phone number and all that. He walks back to Darren and says, we need to start a band. <laughs> And all I could think when th- when that happened, because I didn't know exactly what it was going on. Like he had been playing, you know, he had been playing guitar earlier. So I didn't know, okay, is he is he actually in a band and we don't know about this, you know? I mean, he obviously wasn't very good, you know, yeah. he's just kind of <laughs> that playing matter. shitty guitar. But, but I mean, it's 1985, it's the era of punk, you know, you never know. Well, I guess it's post-punk at this point, it's like the era of hardcore, but... It's hardcore's on its way out, it's about time for emo. Po- yeah, I, which, really, which I is... thought emo didn't come around until the late 90s. Fugazi is one of the progenitors of the emo emo genre just because they were proto emo doesn't make them emo they they called it emo emotional hardcore is what they called it that's what oh okay i stand corrected okay all right i am i'm wrong on that one (laughs) but suffice to say i wasn't sure what was going on and then he goes back and he's like we need to start a band and i just busted up laughing and all i could think was (laughs) you know i'll bet about 90 percent of all the bands ever made were created for exactly that reason 100 (laughs) percent I mean, honestly, that is a great way to start a story about this band, you know, the... 
about a kid playing music she's hot i want to impress her uh let's start a band yeah totally there is a conversation later on about them not knowing how to play and it's really funny this is where we meet Eamon. he's apparently a musician and connor doesn't know any of these kids because he's new at school darren's gonna introduce him around Eamon loves bunnies yeah uh he's got an unhealthy rabbit obsession to the point where i'm like is this bordering on dangerous maybe a little his mom answers the door and they're like is Eamon here and she's like yeah sure this lady by the way looks quintessential 80s mom yeah she's got the haggard mom from the 1980s thing going on hard like she sells it so his mom answers the door Eamon you know Eamon brings does he have a bunny in his hand when he answers the door when he comes i'm not to the sure door? if he has it when he comes to the door but he has one in his hands very shortly but thereafter. darren says hey what are you doing and he's like just rabbit stuff and then darren says they were putting a band together and the mom's disgust she just ugh, and then just walks away <laughs> We learn later that it's because his dad was in a band and all that shit and he and obviously it didn't turn out well for him because he's an alcoholic and he's like in rehab somewhere. Yeah. It's fun to see the mom kind of come around to them. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind As of they're nice. practicing in her living room, you know, like over the course of the movie, she starts out like, don't you be fucking doing that shit in my house. Not on Saturdays. You can't practice on Saturdays because oh, yeah. he has a job. Yeah, that's She's right. like, like halfway supportive. She doesn't want him to, but she's not going to tell him not to. And apparently he can play every instrument. And they're like, Darren's like, he can play anything. And Eamon's like, yeah, probably. So then we go through like this minute long montage of him just playing all these different instruments. Well, what's funny is they, is it starts with him playing the keyboard. Then he plays the drums. Then he plays the bass. Then he plays the guitar. And they're <laughs> kind of like okay cool and then he's like no no and then he starts playing more instruments all the random instruments there's bagpipes there's like a flute thing and then it ends with the bongos so he's like so what kind of music are you guys gonna play and they're like oh we don't know, really know yet and he's like well what are you into he's like i'm a futurist or something like uh, no nostalgia not like your dad's band not looking backwards just forwards oh cool like depeche mode okay or joy division right or duran duran what do you think of them? Jury is out on which way those guys will go. They're a lot of fun, and James Taylor is one of the most proficient bass players in the UK at the moment, giving them a funky edge. John Taylor. Yeah, John. Of course. I'll be in your band. I like this. I, I like like this thought because I agree with him. He manages to impress him. Like he fucks up the name, but otherwise the thought impresses him. <laughs> it's almost like he can tell he's full of shit, but he kind of likes him. <laughs> Eamon's already really serious about it. He's like, so he's talking to Darren. He's like, so you're going to be the manager. Have you ever managed bands before? He's like, no, just break it into the market. <laughs> okay, well, we have to get everything down on paper. Otherwise, the major record labels won't look at us or whatever. And then the mom again does her. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> She's kind of serving him sandwiches and tea at this point, and she's just disgusted by this entire conversation, but she's still doing it. Yeah, she's like, like, yeah, half okay with it. They want to go and recruit other other musicians, so they're in the little shed smoking and talking, and he's like, it's going to get a little weird for a second. He's like, there's a black guy in my flat. They're like, so? The fuck does that mean? It's like, uh, he's black. He's got to play something. And I'm like, John Carney must have watched South Park, because there's there's an episode (laughs) where Cartman puts I the black character in the band and he's like isn't tolkien tolkien to- token black yeah he he's and he's like, like he's I like can't token, play you'll bass. play you'll play bass he's like he's <laughs> like well i don't even have a bass he's like, like token look in your attic you have a bass well he says god damn it tolkien you're black you can play bass and then he starts playing and it's really and he's like, <laughs> he's like really good at it he's like god damn it <laughs> 
I don't like South Park, but every once in a while, there's 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 bound to be in 20 years, there's bound to be a funny episode or two. I do like South Park, and I I agree. Uh, there are quite a few funny episodes. So now, do you want to talk about the Gollywog? Oh uh, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, we have to we have to bring is, it up. This is era appropriate, which is to say, it's completely inappropriate, but it's accurate to the period. Did you Google the Gollywog? Uh, no, I already knew what it was. Oh, I, you did? Okay. Yeah, I've seen uh, Tales from the Hood Part Two. They have a whole thing about a Gollywog that comes to life and, <laughs> and like starts killing people. I, I knew where that was headed already. And that's <laughs> yeah. So the Gollywog was essentially like we were talking about minstrels earlier. It's essentially that. Well, what it is, is it's like a little blackface doll, basically. Yeah. It's, it's like the most racist thing you've ever seen, but it's a doll that was sold in stores until upsettingly recently. Like, I think in the 80s, you could probably still get them. And every you know, it, it was one of those things that like a lot of people of my generation were raised with, not me in particular, but a lot of people. It's one of those things like your grandma might have had around, and it was socially acceptable because it was something a lot of people didn't view as racist because they were raised with it. And it's one it was of just a race, thing. It's one yeah. of those racist things you ever seen. <laughs> oh, here's here's a fun story about it. In February of 2009, in an off-air conversation at the BBC, Carol Thatcher, the daughter of former British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, referred to the black French tennis player Joe Wilfred Songa, who was competing in the Australian Open as looking like a gollywog. Wow. What the fuck? <laughs> 2009? Sweet Jesus, man. So those people are shitty. It's one of those super racist things that so many people were just okay with and didn't think of as racist even though to any outsider it is obviously shockingly racist yes but it's okay it gets shut down really quick he's like hey it'd be cool to have a gollywog in the band and connor's like you can't say that he's like why not like you just you just can't. But this is where we meet Ingig. Again, this is this is kind of a mean but funny conversation. They go, they go, they knock on his door, and his mom answers, and Darren immediately goes, "Is this where that colored fella lives?" And she's like, "No." And then they start they start to walk away. She's like, "You dipshits! What do you are are you serious? Yeah. How many black people do you think live in this flat? It's yeah. like it's fucking Ireland." doofus though no, she's like are you here to see Ingig? and darren goes what's that darren is is like i think because he's the most irish of the entire group like he's the irishest irish of the whole group <laughs> yeah. they just they were just like okay all the shit is gonna come from darren yeah. and next next thing you know they're in the living room with Ingig, and <laughs> and darren this is, is like so fucked up too. we are starting a Band, <laughs> and he's not exaggerating. He is actually. It's even worse than that. Oh yeah, it's he's way like worse. he's like signing, but he's, it's not really sign language. He's just like we are putting a band together, and then Engig goes, what "The fuck is wrong with him?" <laughs> It's like, oh, you don't sound like your mom. No shit. I've been here half my life. (laughs) And then they ask, well, shit, do you play any instruments? And he says, maybe. We get uh, two other dudes who play drum and bass, and they're kind of funny and attitude-y also. That little guy, especially. (laughs) They're in that shed again, smoking, fucking around. They're talking about names for the band, and this this is how it fucking happens. They're like, how about, well, Eamon, of course, he's like, how about the rabbits or the bunnies or whatever? And they're like, what is your obsession with rabbits? He's like, I don't know, man. I just love them. (laughs) <laughs> and then Connor Connor's being really serious about this he's like trying to be trying to be all ethereal even like you yeah he just what, gets that, he, what does he say that distant look in his eyes and he's like how about la vie that's right and they're la like vie. what's that and he's like it's French for uh the life and then the little the little guy the bass player goes what's French for that's not going to be the name of the band <laughs> 
and then he, and then then, he, says, and then he says it. <laughs> and the kid's like, that's it. And then they, they decide on Sing Street. Now, that's important. Which is a terrible name for the band, by the way. It is, but it's important because that's the name of the school there they go to. It's spelled differently. but It is spelled differently. Yeah, like basically it's a, it's a riff on the name of the school, which is pronounced that way and this is where we get the shitty it's a really bad cover of rio like a bad cover of rio it's one of the worst covers just imagine high schoolers doing a really bad cover of rio and you pretty much got it yeah it's it's pretty funny they suck and the mom uses that loud music uh as an excuse to use her ginormous fucking steel vibrator (laughs) it's like chrome She's like, she's like sitting on the bed, loading this thing with batteries like a goddamn police flashlight. <laughs> it's huge. Closes it and then just slams the door shut. Dad is in rehab, so not at home. Hey, you got you got to make do. What do you, I'm not judging anybody. So they ended up recording this on a shitty little one of those little '80s tape recorders. Uh, he shows it to his brother. <laughs> this is this is where some of his best lines show up. He gets done listening to the tape. You can see he's thinking. Brendan, the, the older brother, he's thinking, and Connor's waiting for him to judge him and tell him how good he is to be encouraging yeah, you can that's tell definitely what he's waiting for and then he opens the door and starts like waving the door back and forth he's like connor's like what are you doing he's like i'm letting the stink of that out of here man uh, <laughs> that was bad bad music <laughs> and then he pops the tape out and he just starts unspooling it just pulling it out of the tape he's got and connor's like you know you can record over tapes he's like nope this one has to go <laughs> throws it on the ground stomps on it he says there's nothing worse he's like that was bad bad music and there's nothing worse in the world than bad music connor's like well we're new you know we're, we're learning how to play he's like does the did the sex pistols know how to play and he's like well, why do you need to learn how to play for it what are you steely dan yeah he says and then he says <laughs> what you need to learn is how to not play yeah how not to play he's like you want to have actual sexual intercourse one day right <laughs> And Connor says, yeah, wait, what? He basically says to him, And you're not a covers band, by the way. Really? No. Every school has a covers band. Every pub has a covers band. Every wedding has a covers band. And every covers band has a middle-aged member who'll never know whether they could have made it in the music industry or not because they never had the balls to write a song for someone else. Rock and roll is a risk. You risk being ridiculed. I agree. So he basically tells him, write your own fucking songs. And then he gives him... He gives him like a stack of records and is like, he's he and the and he's like, I got school in the morning. He goes, this, this is, is school. school. I mean, I used to agree. Now I'm in my 30s and I'm like, just go to school and shut up. <laughs> but that part of me wants to be like, fuck yeah, make art. That's all you need to do. Just make art. But you can't just make art because you might go broke. And well, the, I think the trick with it is if you've got the ability to do so, which has to come from outside, it, it has to be confirmed by the outside. It can't be like, I know I have the ability to do so. You have to have someone on the outside being like, no, you you've definitely got skill if that's not coming from anywhere then you've got a problem but if you've got if you've got that coming from somewhere then what you have to do is you have to fucking commit you can't be wishy-washy about it you gotta go balls out so connor goes to hang out with amen and he has written a song that he calls the riddle of the model and clearly wrote it about rafina right and he's like something she's got dangerous eyes whatever and amen's like that's good i like that what does it mean he's like i don't know he's like what's the <laughs> song about i still don't fucking get it i'm like sure it means that he's in love with rafina and he needs to spank it and they work on it together and this is the start of you kind of realize when they're when they get the whole they get the whole band together to play the song it's uh you can tell it it kind of has that rio vibe oh yeah for sure no that's what's that's what's cool about i mean and and it's also part of the reason i don't buy it is because (laughs) over the course of this movie they go through like eight iterations because which, which is very 
accurate to what a teenager goes through. You know, it's like like teenagers change their vibe and their style every week, you know, every, yeah. every, every month because they're exploring they're, they're figuring out who they are and that's what these kids are doing they're figuring out musically who they are by imitating other people and so they write all these songs in the style of Duran Duran and The Cure and they actually do like they write these songs Who uh, whoever I don't know I don't know if John Carney or, or, you know, I mean, he obviously got someone to write these songs. There's a bunch, yeah, a bunch of different songwriters on there. And uh, and each one really is written in the style. Like, Riddle of the Model, so clearly Duran Duran. Like, it is so clearly taken from his Duran Duran face, you know? <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, and he, and it, it nails that vibe without being just a straight Duran Duran ripoff. And again, that's why I don't buy it, because <laughs> these songs are too fucking good. They, and they really are. Riddle of the Model, it's a jam, man. It's a jam. It's, it's pretty good. It's not my favorite of them, but no. it, it's, it's pretty good. For a, but, first, for a first song, too. So now he, he writes that they they record it together. He gives the tape to Rafina, and she's like, what's this? And he's like, oh, that's the, oh, she's like, oh, you're that kid in the band. He's like, oh, fuck. Yeah, the kid in the band. <laughs> she totally forgot him. <laughs> You know what? She didn't. She's being coy and trying to be cool. <laughs> she remembered completely. I guess it's probably part of my own insecurity thing, you know, that I completely believe she forgot him. Rachel and I had a conversation about this. She mentioned something later and we'll talk about it because it's 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 important. And this chick is a walking red flag and I would Oh yeah. Big time. I would one hundred percent so attractive. At sixteen, I'm in. At thirty-four, no, obviously. she can go fuck herself. This is one of those where you kind of have to be in a certain state of mind to be like, oh, he's making all the right choices. This is written about a fifteen-year-old. I know, I know, it's hard. It's That's hard. why it works. If I, this were written about a thirty-five-year-old, I'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with this? I guy? haven't been a teenager in a really long time. That's why this works because it's about <laughs> teenagers, and it is accurate. They use the vapors riff, the Chinese thing. <laughs> Big fucking surprise that that rolled its way. He's like, well, it's kind of a Chinese theme. And she's like, oh, so you want me to wear a kimono or something? And he's like, no, it's more like a riff than a song. I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't even know what that means. Storm looks over at me when when she says that about a kimono. He's like, isn't that Japanese? Oh, yeah. Yeah, fuck. I didn't even put that together. But yes, yes, it is. We're at the video shoot now. They have all their shit piled everywhere or, you know, set up. And Rafina does show up. They think she's not going to. But oh, but not before the outfits. They're like, oh, we have to have a look. We're a band, right? So they all pull out their respective... <laughs> outfits connor looks like a new wave nerd and then Eamon has his dad's show outfit which what is, is just he wearing like this velvet or suede some shit? looking <laughs> thing yeah and then of course little guy the little guy i cannot remember his fucking name yeah i can't uh, remember that little dude's name either but, but he had he pulls out a cowboy a cowboy outfit and they're like why he's like oh it's just like the village people that'll come back in a second uh it's like we can't have a cowboy in the band he's like why not adam ant has a cowboy and it's like no adam ant is a highwayman it's like what so we can have a highwayman but not a cowboy and then well, who makes the comment about them looking super gay like the village people? And he's like, what's gay about the village people? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Rafina shows up and she's like, God, what the hell are you all wearing? Um, also, <laughs> also, you all need makeup because what the fuck? And then, of course, the little guy again, he's like, uh, I'm not wearing makeup. Fuck off. Connor's prepared. He's got storyboards and he's he's all about it. Well, his brother kind of went over that thing with him where he said, you have to see it in your. In oh, your yeah. Head. You have to have a vision. And you all, have yeah. to have a vision. Yeah. In the midst of them getting all made up and stuff, Barry and his shitty drunk dad show up. And, you know, Connor's Connor's being nice. Connor's cool this about is, it. This is the little yeah. thug from earlier. Yeah. 
yeah. in case the listeners have lost track. Barry the bully. I would have if it were based solely on name and not on this dude's perfect fucking face for his role. Did you see his haircut? Yeah, it's, it's how like it's all, fucked up yeah, in the back. Yeah, it's like a perfect. buzz cut, but the buzz isn't even all over the place. It's like it's like his dad was cutting his hair and just got fucking lazy about it. You know, Connor's being cool. He's like, hi, Barry. And dad's like, you know those guys? And he's like, yeah, they're in my school. It's a gay band. It's a it's a whatever. Like, you're making, making a movie, right? And they're like, no, it's a music video. It's like, that's what you should do, Barry. You should get into a little gay band. And Barry says, ha, 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 piss off, you know, jokingly. And then his dad takes it a little too seriously, backhands him. And then all these kids are just, they clam up, as you would. Like, what do you do yeah. in that situation? This came as absolutely zero surprise. <laughs> no, no. To, to any adults watching this, as soon as you see that dude backhand Barry, you're like, pretty much saw that coming. That tracks, yep. That actually didn't go, as, like, as as fucked up as this dude just backhanding his son in front of all these kids as fucked up as that is as the abusive relationship is I actually was afraid this guy was going to start getting abusive with these other kids too because that again would have been era accurate they're not his kids though he's allowed to beat his own kid yeah but in the 80s you were allowed to beat other people's kids too uh, well especially in Ireland with uh, all the all from that time to stuff time and on. depending on how trashy your you, you know your, your neighborhood was I, I grew up in a pretty white trash area and it was not <laughs> uncommon to get your ass beat by your neighbor's dad that's pretty fucked up actually they do this video shoot and it's real it's real weird it's fun and stupid and you can tell a bunch of kids made it i wonder if this is like a shot for shot remake of a video that john carney shot with his friends when he was a kid (laughs) probably actually i mean you know if the dude wants to if the dude's both a musician and he wants to be a filmmaker like yeah pretty much guaranteed this happened at some point or at least a version of this after the shoot though they're they're all at the store connor says hey can i spin you home and she's like i didn't know you had a car he doesn't cut to visual joke (laughs) her on the back of his bike bicycle bicycle by the way he's giving her a ride home and she's like oh you know you're not from around here right they're they're talking about where they live and she's like oh i always thought you were a bit posh for the school he's like speak for yourself your house is massive and she's like is it and she makes a comment about how she's glad she doesn't have parents and also he's driving her around in circles so he could spend more time with her yeah she's like didn't we pass this square already and he's like no, no no he ends up at her house and this cues up another good joke in in the next scene with his brother so they're they're talking and she's like yeah it's cool he is connor is ready he's he's ready to go in for the kiss very obviously douchebag in a convertible shows up listening to phil collins genesis this guy is clearly at least mid-20s if not pushing 30 uh yeah he seems like outwardly he's one of those like nice dudes we learn later that he's not no this is 100 percent one of those dudes who like is hitting on 14 year olds he is he's hanging out with a 16 year old yeah and uh, this is not their first time together he's, oh fuck no yeah this dude's a straight up predator he's made all sorts of promises to her which we'll learn don't get delivered upon later surprise surprise <laughs> couldn't have seen that one coming he's like oh you're the kid in the band and he's like yeah yeah oh yeah she played me a song good vibe a little bit of Duran Duran in there, a bit of new romance. What style would you say you were? I'm a futurist. Epic. See you in the future then. We get a little shot of the little placard on the front of Rafina's house, and it's a girl's home. Connor's showing the music video that they just made to his brother. He sees Rafina, he's like, she's great, she's hot, she's gotta be in every video you guys make because if without her, you just look like a bunch of gay kids in an alley. He's like, so have you Have you even kissed her yet? He's like, no, she's got a boyfriend. He's like, oh, she does, huh? It's like, yeah, it's an older guy. He's, he's got a car. He's got a car <laughs> and he's like, well, what's he doing hanging out with kids? He's like, she's not like a kid. That is such a teenage perspective. And he's like, oh yeah, he pulled up in his convertible music blare and he's like, what was, Brendan says, what was he listening to? It's like Genesis, I think. And he's like, he will not be a problem. Really? Trust me, no woman can truly love a man who listens to Phil Collins. 
I guess this scene is important because, you know, there's more arguing parents, too. They need to quell that shit. Were they arguing during that scene? Right after they get done talking, they you start hearing them again. Oh, that's right. And then he's like, oh, they're going at it. And then that's when Brandon says, you know, I think she's having an affair. And it's like, fucking duh. Because she gets a ride home from her boss. And Connor's like, that's fine. She doesn't drive. So what? He's like, she gets dropped off about a block away. She's like, <laughs> yeah. she's overcompensating, he says. Yeah. He's like, yeah. If she just had him drop her off in front of the house, no, it, it wouldn't have been as big a deal. Connor's stressed out. He goes to Eamon. This is, Eamon's like his therapy guy. Every time he gets stressed out and annoyed, <laughs> he goes to write a new song. So he goes to Eamon. He's like, you want to write a song? He's like, yes. He's no, no second thought. He's, he's always, always up, up for it. it. He's he's a good friend, it turns out. There, there's also a line earlier where, you know, when when Darren's asking, does, does anybody know any musicians? And the mom, Eamon's mom walks up and says, he usually just kind of plays by himself. Yeah. So it's all, it's all these kids that are kind of outcasted and alone who get together. That's not really explored very hard. They don't say it explicitly, but... No. But I feel like if they did, it would be too self-aware for teenagers, honestly. Well, yeah, that's true. Because they are like those the, the bass player and the drummer were friends, obviously. Yeah. Like you could kind of you can kind of glean that, but they're still getting made fun of. The little dude doesn't care. He's just like, piss off. And this one, it, it very much has its own style, but it doesn't correlate to some music he was listening to. I do, I, I think it so probably think, does, and we're just missing it, because I can't maybe. remember. I don't know. It's it's not a standout song to me. No. I'm going to be really disappointed if this is the one that was written by Glenn Hansard. So this, this song, is it's kind of cool. It's the first time we see them really get, like, write a, write a song that is, I don't know, not necessarily not good, but, like, this is where his mom, where Eamon's mom starts getting into it, too, because the song's really, really jammy, it's catchy, it's kind of yeah, upbeat. It's not a bad song or anything like no. that. It's just, I guess it doesn't stand out in the story as much. No, it has the montage of them all kind of playing and then the mom dancing, finally, and she walks up to Eamon and grabs his face, and she's all happy, happy for him, and he rolls his eyes because he's a fucking teenager and too cool <laughs> for that shit. In the montage, he delivers the tape to Rafina and shit, and then this is also where we get a little time tiny glimpse into her into her brain a little bit where she's looking in the mirror and taking off her makeup oh and she's listening to the music while yeah. she's taking off her makeup and she's like having she's getting kind of emotional and i think she's she knows that the song is about her at this point but he's not saying that yeah. like he's he's trying he's trying he's trying for plausible deniabilities and and completely failing but like she's the reason for this whole thing it's her yeah. fucking fault next day we see connor has dyed his hair he's got some makeup on brother baxter sees him strangely not having it <laughs> weird right what are the odds that the the this this I don't know if he's the headmaster or if he's just like one of the primary teachers or something of this school whose motto is act manly. Act manly. <laughs> Who would have thought he would have had a problem with <laughs> with this whole thing? So and he's in art class first. He's drawn up drawn like a little picture of his band and the art teacher's really cool. We like the art teacher. She's nice, she's encouraging. She's like, you know, who's that? Is that your girlfriend? He's like, Yeah, no. She's got a boyfriend, it's an older guy, and she's like, Oh, well, all the complicated boys and girls, which becomes a line in his song. And so Brother Baxter asks to see him in his office, and he's sitting there, and it gets creepy real quick because yeah. he's just like 
why are you wearing makeup? And Connor's like, well, there's nothing in the rule book that says I can't wear makeup or dye my hair or anything. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he specifies that he checked the rule book to make sure it wasn't against policy. Yes, and he uh, painted his shoes black with paint from the art room. So now he has black shoes, so that problem solved. But Brother Baxter can't just leave shit alone. He's like, you're taking the makeup off. You are taking the makeup off. You can you can use my bathroom, whatever. Oh, this is, the, this is where I, I think it's a joke because Connor's like, men in the 18th century wore makeup all the time. That means people like Mozart wore w- makeup and he's like oh so you think you're mozart now right what does that make me salieri and connor's like who (laughs) i think that was supposed to be a joke like a subtle subtle little dig brother baxter is like doing that thing that just makes it more irritating where he's like he's saying you're gonna fucking do what i'm saying but i'm gonna say it in a really nice friendly way like we're buddies but do not question me or you're gonna get beat down connor says i'm just gonna go to class no he, he says here you can wash in my, yeah. you can wash up in my bathroom connor is not in the wrong for getting the fuck out of this situation and connor's just like yeah i'm not having that i'm i'm gonna go to class and he just gets up and starts walking down the hallway and here comes brother baxter and he grabs him by the back of the throat throws him in the fucking bathroom and basically drowns him to get the fucking makeup off it's hard to watch actually i didn't i don't like watching the scene but no, i think that's this, the point it's upsetting and what yeah what do you do it's so hard because like you're a kid right you're you're 15 16 years old what do you do Nothing you can do. I mean, this yeah. guy is obviously a bruiser. You know, he's yeah. a bruiser. He's a bruiser in a white collar. And he's like, that's fine. No more Ziggy Stardust. Ugh. Connor's crying. It's sad. It's f- fucking sad. He just got fucking abused by this asshole. And then we get a weird piano score version of Take On Me. Did you catch that? Yes. I did. Kind of cool. After school, Rafina shows up and she's like, hey, Cosmo. Connor's like, who? It's like, you're in, a, you're in a band. You need a cool nickname. They're hanging out a little bit and she says, you know, your song made me cry. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. And she's like, no, in a good way, though. So she's all, she's becoming reflective, I guess. I don't know. Also, you know, it, it was really, it, it was really interesting to watch. And I don't know if this is the way everybody feels, but as I'm watching her, you know, because she's very 80s makeup up, like it's way it's overdone in that 80s way and as she's taking off her makeup it's like she's getting more vulnerable like as she's sort of exposing herself emotionally she's also showing herself as she is you know yeah she starts to shed a lot of the it's it's armor at that point there's something cool about that in a in a storytelling way you know Mm -hmm. like I, i i like what they were doing with with that from a storytelling perspective they start talking about the douchey i called him the douchey middle-aged guy i can't remember what his name is he's talking about it and she's like are you jealous and he's like uh no what what no no why would i be and she's like exactly and now we get the conversation about happy sad she says to him will you write me a happy song sometime i need a laugh but what if i don't feel happy your problem is that you're not happy being sad but that's what love is cosmo happy sad and then he talks to his brother about it he's like what the fuck does happy sad mean and he pulls out the cure he's like like, these guys guys are happy sad sad." and then we get to hear in between days wait we don't get to that brother conversation yet i i just didn't go fucking far enough down my notes uh happy sad we she does say the happy sad thing but connor asks where her parents are and she's like well my dad is brown bread which apparently means he's dead and then my mom's in and out of hospital so i ended up at the girl's home he's like well why is she in and out of hospital because she's a nurse She's trying to make, she's trying to, trying to tell jokes to, you know. And he's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And she's like, no, she's manic depressive. He's like, that, therein lies my thing about Rafina and why whatever I was talking about earlier was completely on purpose. The thing where she's like, oh, you're the kid in the band. Oh, oh, okay. Because she's got the bipolar thing down perfectly. So there's a thing that happens later where the same thing happens and Rachel suggested, she's like, oh, well, that's, it's kind of a hereditary thing. That's, that yeah. can be passed down. That makes sense. She's like, oh, she's doing the thing. She's doing that manic depressive thing where she gets like really obsessed.
obsessed and into this idea and it doesn't work and then she starts like pretending she doesn't know people and fucking oh yeah. I'm not as knowledgeable about that stuff you would think I would be because my mother was manic depressive but that's the problem is like I even things I have experience with I don't really analyze enough to understand once she pointed that out I'm like oh and I watched it a second time yeah. with that knowledge I'm like oh shit, makes that's, total sense that's what's happening I get it you're gonna watch yeah. it again and you're gonna be like oh shit yep, yep. I told it yep. yep now we have the happy sad conversation with his brother I like Anne Anne is the name of the sister by the way they're talking in the living room and they're talking about vocations and shit well I think what she means is that you need to reach a place in your life where you're okay with your sadness it's pretty high concept stuff how old you say she was again 16 it's monastic she's like a monk she sounds really pretentious why because she wants to leave school and follow a vocation you call wanting to be a model a vocation anything can be a vocation huh? being a taxi driver being a bin man being a poet being a singer being an artist. Brandon, I never wanted to be an artist. We couldn't get the brush out of your hand when you were a kid. What is wrong with being an architect? It's not a vocation. I thought everything was a vocation. Don't be playing word games with me, Anne. I don't do words, all right? That's my second favorite line of the movie. Then we get the cure and how the brother says, this is happy, sad. These guys are happy, sad. And one of the best cure songs plays. It's called In Between Days. It's fucking fantastic. I really like that song. When she was saying that thing about you need to learn to be happy about being sad, even I was like, that's an interesting concept. But how do you kind of ground that in a way that's understandable to someone who isn't familiar with it? And then he's like, the cure. I'm like, that's fucking brilliant. (laughs) That's exactly right. That is the exact perfect definition. You call Robert Smith and ask him the whole band is kind of walking together and their whole look is evolving every time we see them suddenly they're in full cure mode yeah 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 they're all mods now they're talking about the happy sad thing and they're like what does happy sad even mean how can we be botings it makes no sense it means that i'm stuck in a shithole full of morons and rapists and bullies and i'm gonna deal with it okay it's just how life is i'm gonna try and accept it and get on with it and make some art how does that affect that music? Positively. And then we're shooting a video. And then we're shooting a video. Little bus ride montage. Everybody's having fun. No, then I think it's a train ride. It's a public transportation vehicle of some kind. Definitely one of them. They're having fun. They're dancing, fucking around. And then they start talking about what the video's about. And it's it's weird. Rafina suggests something about a mermaid. And Connor's like, hey, that's better than what I came up with. And she's like, I know. Well, because I think the initial <laughs> the initial idea was that the, the girl jumps into the ocean to kill herself. Like, they don't say yeah. it They don't say it in as many words, but that's sort of the implication. That's what Eamon says. He's like, she killed herself. And she's like, no. Oh, okay. She, she turns into a mermaid because she got fucking caught in a fisher's net or whatever. And so she's been wandering around the city and she puts this twist on it that works really well. And then we get the, they're all in white face, kind of. Are they all in it? <laughs> a few of them are. Connor's not, but Ngig is definitely in white face. A couple of the other ones have like white makeup on. Ngig is like full <laughs> white face to the point where my son was like, wait, is he doing reverse blackface? It's like that episode of uh, Scrubs that they took off took off uh, Hulu. I don't remember that episode. There's an episode where... I have watched the whole thing. I just don't remember. JD's that. in blackface, but then Turk is in whiteface. <laughs> okay. And they do that a couple times throughout the series, but they took it down because it was offensive. And I'm like, that's not offensive. That was the point of the joke. They were subverting that thing. He's directing Rafina to jump in the water, but not actually jump in the water. He's like, do it like this. And he jumps down and he lands on this ledge. He's like, how did it look? And they're like, a bit shit. 
but it's yeah. okay. <laughs> and Gig is like, were you trying to look like you were jumping in the water? He's like, yeah, did it look okay? No. So they start they start playing. This is a good song. I really like this song. It's called Beautiful Sea. And Rafina decides that she's not she's not gonna fuck around. She jumps in the water. I fucking knew she was gonna do that. <laughs> You're right. And then Connor's like, oh shit. And then he fucking puts out his guitar, runs in. She's like, keep I filming. Can't swim. Keep filming, but save me. I can't swim. So he jumps in. That's right. She tells him to yeah. keep filming. He jumps in, gets her, and he's like, can you really not swim? She's like, no, I really can't. And he's like, why'd you do that then? She's like, for our art. You know, you never do anything by half. And then that was just the motivation that Connor needed. Plants one on her right there. And she's like, right on. Fair play, she says. <laughs> then he's like, but what about that other dude? She's like, yeah, you ruined it. I'm going to leave now. <laughs> That one hit close to home because I... <laughs> You'd be that guy? I'm totally that guy. I have done that. Not that specifically, but where the mood is right, the moment is right, and you do the right thing in the moment, and then you second guess yourself, and it's just like, well, all right, thanks for slamming on the brakes there, dipshit. <laughs> then he plants another seed in his own brain, I think. He looks he looks across the way while, while him and Rafina are kind of walking together, and he looks out into the, into the ocean there, and he's like, you know, on a clear day, you can see London from here. It had to have just rained, no dust in the air but you can see it it's only 30 miles away and she's like oh well when i'm there i'll wave to you which is kind of cute they're friends they're friends but he's in love with her she's actually in love with him too i think but i don't know i think she's being careful because my takeaway was that the douchebag guy is kind of a means to an end and I'll, I, i'm not saying she's not emotionally invested there but she's not deeply emotionally invested whereas with connor she actually feels something serious for him and that scares her yeah I think that's a little bit of what's going on. So she's she's reluctant to to put herself out there on that one because there's a bigger risk there for when you really feel something for somebody, which is completely understandable. There's more foreshadowing a little bit when he talks about how his brother tried to go to Germany, but his mom stopped him because she wouldn't let him drop out of school and shit. This is creepy, I think, and I don't really know. I don't really understand what she was talking about. So there's a thing she says about her dad. Connor says, I think she loves him too much or something like that. And she's like, that's something that my dad used to say to me. I'd get dressed up to go out with my friends but by the time it was time to go he would never let me leave and um, oh yeah the thing about yeah the thing about her mom and yeah and she's like my mom is so much better looking than me i don't know why he would bother with me in the first place and i'm like wait a minute that is yeah what does that mean am i supposed to glean from that that he sexually assaulted her constantly or or just that she has like an unhealthy view of what makes someone care about someone yeah like what yeah like that's what i was thinking too i was like wait is she trying to say that their relationship was that kind of unhealthy or was it just that she hasn't she has like a distorted view of what love is yeah and she's like it's a strange kind of love isn't it parents yeah that that bothered me too i'll say this it doesn't feel disingenuous it doesn't feel like that was shoehorned in to be anything other than honest to the character i feel that the character genuinely has that in her mind you know Mm -hmm. like like i believe it but yeah you kind of want to ask some clarifying questions like (laughs) are you are you okay yeah (laughs) no shit my next note is that there's a lot of reflection in this movie this coming of age movie about teenagers there's a lot of people just like kind of sitting and thinking about stuff and talking the next scene is connor and brendan sitting on the stairs watching their mom sit on the porch in the sun and reading mag reading her magazine and stuff and mentioning that he says he'll take her to this place but he never actually does once the sun goes behind the trees like the sun's gone and she just comes inside see i got it as him saying all she wants is to go to the spanish coast but our dad will never take her she just wants to be in the sun you know and so she spends every afternoon
afternoon in this shitty little patch of sun that they get through the trees and then the trees cover it up and she just goes inside back at school barry again barry the bully he says look at you you guys all look gay with your makeup and your stuff and this time connor has his number though he's like you know you're a bit like barry uh oscar wilde what can i see in that he's not in school buddy spider you know what? I'm gonna kill you one of these days. <laughs> no, you're not. Because you don't even exist. What? Maybe you're living in my world. I'm not living in yours. You're just material for my songs. Man, I'll be very careful about what you say to me next. I don't want to have to bat you again. Go ahead, Barry. Come on. You only have the power to stop things. But not to create. Honestly, if they had left it at that, it it probably would have left a bad taste in my mouth. Not because it's wrong at all, it's not. But because, you know, it's like, if it were left at just that, it would ignore the deeper problem of, like, of... of everything that's against Barry. Yeah, it's kind of incomplete, right? Yeah, yeah. but it doesn't because because John Carney's a better filmmaker than that and a better the, storyteller. Yeah. The school dance. I think it's a school dance. Like, it's just, it's an end-of-term disco, they call it. And Connor pulls pulls a couple of the dudes aside and says, hey, uh, we should play here. We need something to prepare for. We need a deadline. Eamon's like, we have something to prepare for. Exams. And Connor's like, fucking midterms. Who cares? And he's like, my mom cares. She wants me to go to college. And he's like, but it's fine. Whatever. And he's like, wait a minute. Will there be girls at the disco? And Connor's like, yeah. And Eamon's like, let's do it. He does not take much convincing at all. He's kind of up for everything. I like this kid. You just, you just gotta, you just gotta pitch it to him right, and he's he's up for pretty much anything. Back at Connor's house, the parents are fighting again. Big surprise. Uh, yeah. This time she's running off somewhere, and there's a dress, and this is sexy, and uh, you don't need you don't need underpants. Wow, all that shit. Things are definitely coming to a head. Oh yeah, it's 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 getting there, and now all the siblings kind of congregate in Brendan's room. They're just kind of they're just kind of hanging out, listening to Man Eater, which is a good song. You can tell. The siblings care about each other they're all dancing and having fun trying to drown out the yeah trying to outside. trying to ignore the shit that's going on now more band practice just more montages of them writing songs and playing music and stuff exams no one knows shit they're all <laughs> they're all very stressed out in this one shot even barry barry's back there he doesn't know anything because he's barry who cares he does he he doesn't give a shit well he get, and he gets his own thing where he just picks up the <laughs> test he's like well i'm fucked he crumples just crumples it up, it up and throws it away just lays his head down and yep. takes a nap he's a good character because he's not drawn one dimensionally connor goes to rafina's place and he's like hey you want to go on an adventure and she just goes yeah sure walks out the door and he's like oh okay like, <laughs> Took like no convincing. were you not expecting that? They take his grandpa's boat out, that which he's not supposed to take out, but apparently they never use it because he takes it out every few weeks. He and has that great line. He says, a boat is like a musical instrument. It doesn't like if it's not being used. Yeah. He also, he seems to have some affection for his grandfather because he's like, I, he promised his grandfather he'd look after the boat for him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's sweet. And they go have, have a little picnic on an island while he's reading the lyrics to his new song. And I think that one is Drive It Like You Stole It. This one is a little uncomfortable to watch just because they're so being teenagers in this sequence. <laughs> yeah, they're hanging out and drinking. It's accurate. It's very accurate, it, which is what makes it so uncomfortable. Tea and biscuits. And then she, she tells him, hey man, you were a little bit attractive back there. He's like, when? You know, driving the boat. And then he, he kisses her for real this time. Yeah. But this time he doesn't ruin it. it it's kind of cute. Like he kisses her and it's good. And even she's into it. She kind of turns, turns towards the camera a little bit. She has this little smile. She's kind of covering her face because she doesn't <laughs> want him. She doesn't want him to know that she's enjoying it. And then there's a delightful scene yeah. where they both take a bite of a, of a biscuit. 
It's not a cookie, damn it. Uh, yeah. And then he goes in again. She's like, oh, no, I just... Uh. <laughs> He's like, is it cool now? She's like, yeah, now it's fine. And then it's juxtaposed completely in the next scene with another awkward family meeting. Oh, this is meeting 2.0. Okay. <laughs> this, this one's rough. And Brendan again gets his sarcastic asshole business. The parents pull all the kids together and they're like, oh, we're getting a divorce. And Brandon's like, cool, see you later. He's ready to leave. And they're like, calm down. Let's, uh, we're going to discuss this as a family. And Brendan's like, a consensus. That's novel. So the parents are getting a divorce. They're selling the well, house. They're not getting a divorce. Oh, they're, they're not. Getting they're legally separated. I knew I would fucking do that. I knew I would. Yeah, I knew he would have to correct me on that. Well, even even Anne is like, so you guys are getting divorced? And they're like, no, you can't get divorced in Ireland. Legally separated. Which is the same fucking thing. It doesn't make any sense. And it's even worse that then. Su- that is such a church law bullshit. Yeah, it's even worse then because you're still married and fucking other people. Yeah. That's confusing. Okay, sure. Why not? He's like, your mother has fallen in love with Tony. Tony is the guy who she's been having an affair with her boss, apparently. Right, the open secret. He's like, okay, so you guys are going to live between... No, we, we got an offer on the house. It's half what it's worth, but we're going to take it. Can't afford to live here by myself. Blah, blah, blah. You guys are both going to be living between my new apartment and Tony's place. Brendan, who's like fucking 40, he's... <laughs> He's like, I'm not going to be staying at Tony's. Let's get that crystal clear. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Go get your own house. Granted, I understand because the recession is probably... Yeah. It's like it is now here, kind of. You can't fucking afford to get your own place anymore. I don't know how my fucking sister does it. I'm like, seriously, how the fuck... <laughs> Do you afford an apartment? It's on a single income. So now we end up back in Brendan's room. A lot of conversations happen in this room. It's kind of the safe space in in a house that is falling apart. Yeah. But everything is starting to unravel, especially Brendan. Connor's being kind of mellow about it, but you can tell in the back of his head he's fucking he's he's losing his shit. He's trying to hold it together, but he's like, "Oh man, I was kind of bummed out by that because I thought, you know, maybe mom and dad would come to my gig." And Brendan's like, "Yeah, no. Do you really think they're going to just magically start caring about your dumb shit he's like why is it dumb like it's not dumb it's just annoying because brendan is a musician was a musician at one point he's like you see that guitar over there i used to be able to play that thing pretty well and then this happened and this happened and i just basically am a fuck up this is where we talk about your thing with uh two catholics in their late 20s who just wanted to get married because they wanted to have sex and they didn't even love each other and i spent six years fucking alone with them and you finally came along and thank god and you're following the path that i macheted and shit good lord I guarantee my oldest has had that conversation with his little brother. When did the girl come along? She was the middle child. So it's just like my kids. You got the oldest son who got all the shit growing up. You got the middle daughter okay. who is the artist. And you got the youngest son who, you know, basically has the least pressure on him of the group. Brendan has a fucking meltdown and starts throwing his records and breaking shit. All I could think was he immediately regrets this. He has, <laughs> right? he has that reflective moment after he does it where you can see he's not saying it, but He's like, fuck, I can't believe I just did that. And then Connor excuses himself. He's like, I have to pee. And you know the kid's going to go cry because his parents just got, parents just announced officially that they're getting divorced when he was kind of had that glimmer of hope. Oh, maybe it'll work. It'll be fine. And then his brother is obviously stressed out by the whole thing too, even though he won't admit it yeah. and he's also jealous that connor is making things happen that he never could he's acting manly by crying I, I'll, I'll give him that connor's trying to keep it together and he doesn't need to it's a tough it's a tough spot and he's he's doing what he knows the only thing he knows how to do as a 
15-year-old kid, you know, which is cry in secret. And then we get to a video shoot. Uh, him and Rafina had talked about how they were going to shoot the video for Drive It Like You Stole It. This is where, she, <laughs> that's also, we missed that part where she, where he's like, I wanted it to be said at like a high school prom, you know, like an American prom. You ever seen Back to the Future? And she goes, uh, I see all the films. The day comes and he has like a group of a few guys and a few girls and he's like, has anybody ever seen Back to the Future? And they just look at him like he's fucking just the blank. dumbest person alive. And the art teacher's there like supervising because, you know, they're in the school and shit she's cool she wants to be encouraging i like her again but he's trying to teach them all like you know how how like 50s dancing and then they're all like bouncing up and down snapping their fingers very awkwardly it's yeah they're kind of trying to do the molly ringwald dance like if someone described it to you badly and you've never seen it what you might Hmm. do if you had no frame of reference the one from breakfast club yes okay yeah (laughs) and this is where i think is this the one you were talking about where it becomes kind of a musical in your Head. This one turns straight fantasy. Yeah. So they start playing the song. It's Drive It Like You Stole. It's a pretty cool song. Probably my favorite song of the movie. Oh, really? Oh, cool. And then it turns into the vision of the video that they had together. And it seems like it is almost like, oh, it's 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 happening. They're just, you know, making it. But it's it, like you know, heightening it. Yeah, it's it's like a thing. She showed up and it's fine. And then by the time Brother Baxter shows up and does cartwheels and shit, we're like, oh, we are in fantasy land right now. Yeah, full of fantasy. And mom and dad show up and they're back and together. They're and they're all happy. Dancing together and, and happy. And then Brendan shows up on a fucking motorcycle with short hair. He doesn't look like a skeezy stoner anymore. Yep, he's all he's all cleaned up and got his shit together. And then he has a knife fight with Rafina's boyfriend. And he disarms him, <laughs> punches him, and then they're buddies again. So yeah. Canadian hockey style. As it turns out, it's not real. And they weren't even shooting anything. Because right, right before the scene cuts away, he's like, all right, let's shoot it. That video had to come out rough. There's a reason we don't see that video. <laughs> He then goes to Rafina's place because he's going to ask, like, hey, what the fuck? You said you'd be there. I imagine. I don't think he's really going to do that. I mean, he's like, oh, she must have a good reason because he's kind of a bitch. He has huge balls, but he's also a wimp. Yeah, he's one of those. He's a sweet kid. Like, he's willing to give people the benefit of the doubt. But he, but he's actually got the the guts to go out and do things that none of us would when we were his age, you know. Uh, yeah, a lot. So he goes, he goes to the girl's home. He knocks on the door. Some girl that we don't know answers the door, and he's like, "Oh, hey, is Rafina here?" She's like, "No, she doesn't live here anymore." He's like, "Where'd she go?" I don't know. She went with that guy. Oh, she went, she went with her with her boyfriend somewhere. And, and then the girl recognizes who he is. She's like, "Oh, you're the boy in the band," and I'm like, "Dude, she's cute. Go for it. Fuck <laughs> Rafina." She says, "I lost money on you." Yeah, they all thought that she we- was gonna. Yeah. Because apparently she was talking about him. Yeah. She's like, we were taking bets and uh, I thought she was, I thought you were going to win, you know, basically. Mm. And then we get an everybody's sad montage to that song. This is the low point of the movie. Uh, Yeah. To the song, to the song, to the song, to find you, I believe. This is honestly the point that I thought we were going to wrap the movie up because oh, uh, based yeah. on my experience with Once, Once is very unromantic in its romance. It portrays the feelings that these characters have for each other, but it's unromantic in the reality of the world they live in. <laughs> it is so fucking, it has such a downer, real ending. Yeah, the ending is oh, super honest and and breaks your heart every time you watch it. With that as a frame of reference, I thought, well, this is the place to end it if that's the if that's the story you're going to tell. But John Carney decided to go in a more hopeful direction. And I think that's appropriate because you're dealing with teenagers and teenagers are not always, you know, and especially not nowadays, but when they, when teenagers are hopeful, they are the most hopeful you can be because they actually have the future ahead of them. You know, they, their whole life is, is still ahead of them. It's all just been practice up to this point. They haven't, (laughs) 
fucked anything up so bad that it can't be recovered from. So after the sad montage, uh, he goes back to he's i think he's like pacing around in front of the girl's home just kind of doing a memory lane walk even though it's been like three weeks and he sees rafina this is fucked up this is part of that part of that bipolar kind of thing that that rachel suggested he said i'm really glad you (laughs) you explained that to me because it makes so much more sense now because he says hey rafina and she's like no sorry and like she's really making this situation up as she goes along she's like no i'm rafina's younger sister and i'm like you would have said that first yes not like oh i don't know rafina yeah yeah, but too yeah. late too late for that line yeah and that's fucked up it's real weird and it's sad and he's like you know you're not her sister you you're her and she's she just gives up immediately she's like yeah fucking she's like oh yeah that guy was full of shit he said he was gonna take me to london but it turns out he didn't have a flat there he didn't know anybody he just left me at a bed and breakfast in the middle of town and then more fucked up stuff and i'm like god i feel so bad for her but connor is not equipped for this kind of shit he says so what happened to your face because she's got a little bruise on her cheek did he hit you and uh he's she's like yeah but i totally deserved it I'm like ugh, i i get it but like ooh, that's that's rough and he's like so what are you gonna do now she's like i don't know uh mcdonald's has an ad in their window would you still would you still like me if i did that but he's like yeah man as long as you were happy I'm like oh he's a good guy he's 16 he would never fucking say like i met maybe maybe he's had to grow up a little bit he doesn't have parents they clearly don't really pay that much attention to him and then she's like oh fuck this is what my life has become just hanging out here with a 15 year old schoolboy and he's like yeah cool i'm out no she was like no and she said she said i'm becoming my mother oh yeah i'm becoming just like my mother and then he's like fuck it i was kind of hoping you'd come to our gig or something and then she's like oh tell me about that he's like no i i don't think i will and then he'll yeah he did the captain america thing he's like no just walks away pretty rationally i i get where he's coming from like that is too much that that is so much that a kid his age is not he's so not prepared for again this is my 34 year old self talking i'm out she's done she's gone after that him and Eamon then hang out at the park to write a song together and then this is where they write to find you not not the montage i don't remember what the fucking montage song oh the montage song was set to a slower version of up that's right but now they're writing to find you which is the glenn hansard song i think that definitely feels the most glenn hansard of all the songs. it does it does and this is where Eamon plants the idea in connor's head he's like why don't you take her to london and he's like because i'm broke and how much is a plane ticket to london <laughs> he's like yeah i guess and he's like well what about the band and he's like you know what just go to london get a record deal and come get us out of this shithole yeah and then someone tries stealing stealing their bike and they fucking throw their guitars down and go after him and then the scene's over all i could think during that scene was well they just lost their fucking guitars and (laughs) i'm like did somebody just like do that on purpose (laughs) i wonder if that was improv or if somebody was actually stealing the bike (laughs) (laughs) there's definitely part of me that that wondered that was like did we just watch somebody on camera try to steal this bike from these guys and then connor talks to brendan brendan's hanging out outside on the porch just like his mom he kind of wants his reflective moment as well which i just kind of had that thought i'm like oh he's doing it just like his mom did and he's smoking a cigarette fucking or weed or something i'm not sure what it is it's weed it's definitely weed <laughs> even though he said he was going well, through it might with, be hash i don't know he was with going through withdrawals when he was having his freak out like that's the thing is like he had his moment where he's like no i'm gonna get cleaned up i'm gonna you know get my shit back together and then the next time we see him there he is you know taking a drag on a big old and then connor says hey you know i'm sorry i didn't know you used to play guitar and stuff he's like it's fine there's a lot you don't know about me but then he's like (laughs) hey man maybe you could play a solo at my gig and he's like yeah maybe i will you won't so this is where this is where the bully storyline comes comes full circle here connor and i called him the ginger bitch because i couldn't remember his name in this note (laughs) they go to barry (laughs) barry's apartment they knock on the door he answers and he's like what the fuck do you guys want and they're like what are you gonna do when you get kicked out of school Stay home with your man, da. Watching daytime telly, getting wasted. Yeah, okay. 
we're gonna be in a band. Gigging on the road, different venues each night, different women. And you know what bands need? What do bands need? Roadies. Someone who is strong. Someone who can fight. Get in here, Barry, and get us another beer. You're worthless shy. <laughs> I'm a worthless shy. I mean, what would you want with me? In a fag band? Being in a band is like being in the army. Everyone has everyone's back. Just think you're up for it. So it's gig night, watching Barry try to figure out. He's technically a roadie too. Watching him for like that two seconds we get him trying to plug in stuff. And he's panicking. He's like, what the fuck? Uh, that's my life. That's just how that's just how my brain works half the time. It's pretty funny. Blink and you miss it, but it's 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 so good. So they start out with the song called Girls, which is where the line all the complicated boys and girls comes into play that the art teacher said. Which is a, which is a good song and like right away gets gets everybody on their side. He plays it with a lot of energy and he comes out in a dress, which is which is totally a, a fuck you to the priest. A dress and makeup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and and his, and the energy's up right from the beginning. I'm like, yeah, this is like this is borderline punk rock. Yeah, that's a solid song, too. I really like that one. It's a good song. They play a couple songs, and then they do To Find You, and they're like, we're, we're going to play a slow one, and everybody's like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. It's a fucking terrible idea. And then Eamon's <laughs> All like... All the guys in the band are like, this is suicide. Don't do this. <laughs> and Eamon's like, it's really bold. Let's do it. Because <laughs> he's just up for everything. He's fine. They lose and, a little bit of the crowd. Him and Connor though. are definitely yeah. the John and Paul of this group. <laughs> yeah, definitely. They lose a little bit of the crowd, and you they know, lose it's a whatever. lot of the crowd. Most, most of the crowd. <laughs> we're on the last song now, and the last song is my favorite song in the movie. It's called uh, Brown Shoes. Why am I not surprised that this is your favorite song in the movie? Why? You know why? Because it's so antagonistic towards the assholes. It's not that it's... An- <laughs> no, no, no. The antagonism is... I'm, I'm 100% fine with it. It's the middle of the road, not quite ballsy enough to be punk yeah. <laughs> thing that you're into. And I, I'm not trying to say that in any kind of a critical way, but it's just a type of music that does not speak to me at all. <laughs> I, I, I'm totally cool. Like, if that's your thing. That's great. That's fine. You like this kind of suburban punk thing. I do. Um, which is I, which it, is fine. That's who I am, man. Yeah, but I, I knew as soon as this song came on and I just had that same visceral reaction to it where I'm like, I like what you're doing thematically how it's a how it's a middle finger to that priest you know the whole song really is but it needs to be more edgy it needs to be more clash and less <laughs> less newfound glory less fallout boy less well, any, any of that type of stuff it needs to be less of that and more punk rock but at the same time they're kids so yeah. I, I get that it doesn't ring false at all it rings true it's just a type of music that i don't connect with i want to stress <laughs> i'm not trying to shit on your taste in music it's like what you like is perfectly valid it's just not my thing it can't all be bad religion and anti-flag for me you know yeah see like <laughs> Like, that is what I wanted it to be. I want That's who I wanted it to be, bad religion. I wanted it to be bad religion. Sometimes you just got to have a little fun. <laughs> but it is there. It, it is fun, and it's a nice fuck you to that priest. He opens it up. Or he the says, brother, excuse me. Oh, he takes off the dress, and he tees it up, and he says, Okay, so this is our last song, so come back in. Don't worry, it's a fast one. It's about this school, and it's for Brother Baxter. Don't you push it now, do you hear me? What? It's a tribute song. If you want to keep this band going next term, you better be careful, okay? Okay. Are you ready? This will be all of our first and last game, man. Are you ready to do it? Let's go. Okay, so this is our last song. This is called Brown Shoes. And it's for every Christian brother and every bully you ever knew. And the lights are off, but then immediately when he starts talking about it, he's like, turn on the lights. And then that, <laughs> and then that kid... 
there's a kid like shutting off the lights as the drunk teacher guy turns on the lights and then the kid turns off the lights and then he grabs the fucking fire extinguisher and smashes the switch (laughs) and then Baxter like smacks him in the head and fucking throws him outside and then just as they're about to start playing (laughs) that's when he says this is for brother Baxter and every bully that you ever knew earlier they had snuck into the art room and had a bunch of pictures of Baxter's face printed and they turned him into masks which mid song he starts throwing out (laughs) into the audience and everybody starts putting them on it's pretty great and then Baxter gets all embarrassed and just shit and just he just leaves <laughs> he doesn't even try to stop him he's just out that's so it, definitely coming back at the next oh, parent yeah. teacher conference but uh but it doesn't matter because fucking connor's not going to be there anyway yeah connor's like fuck it i'm going i'm going to be a rock star because he froze to death i prefer to think that he drowned so of course rafina has to show up halfway through the last song oh my god that annoys me so much yeah this is one of those things where like it's a relationship that shouldn't happen but <laughs> from connor's perspective i guess get it she's the manic pixie dream girl who's not a manic yep. pixie dream girl at all not like summer who tom really just wanted to be a manic pixie dream girl this girl's just not at all this is one of those where you're like dude just fucking don't but you know, but he's Con- going to he's got to do his he's got to make his mistakes after the show he uh goes home with rafina the parents are asleep because they don't give a shit apparently brendan's just sitting there and he's like he's like hey how'd the show go and he's like it was good and then rafina like pops her head in the door and he's like oh shit she's real he's i mean he's been watching all these music yeah. videos over and now he finally meets her and they're like we're gonna go to london and he's like cool uh when now and he's like <laughs> can really you, can you give us a ride <laughs> yeah he they, they want to ride and he's like do you have any any place to stay do you have any money apparently connor didn't know that she didn't have any money but yeah. it's okay because the guy on the news said that everybody's doing that so then his brother's like cool let's go yeah he's all about it he's, he's way <laughs> into it uh they get to the docks and they're all saying their goodbyes and brendan's like you know i wish i'd done this he's almost jealous at this point yeah like why don't you just go with him? What do you have? I ju- I just thought of that. Like why why not? He's he's too he's too stuck in his stoner lifestyle at I, this point. That's exactly what it is. He's a, he's afraid. That's why he did. That's yeah. why he didn't actually go. Because if he really wanted to get out, it, he I would. mean it's like the it's like the Germany thing earlier. The fact of the matter is, when your mom stops you from going to Germany by simply refusing to let you go, you're tacitly approving of that. Then Brendan gives Connor some lyrics, which I feel is kind of like a veiled like love letter to his brother yeah about what they're doing and how yeah how he approves so they leave they take off in their in in his grandpa's boat brendan watches them go and as they drift off he cheers he jumps up and he's like yes he's very excited for his little brother <laughs> and he gets in the car and like he's super he's he's like all stoked on what's happening and it starts raining and i'm like oh fuck they're dead okay so we're at the end of the movie now now we're going to talk about what happens afterwards okay so oh also there's a part where he said you were you were in my jet stream or whatever i was a fucking jet engine and then they end up behind that boat i thought that was kind of symbolic i don't know if that was on purpose yeah no it probably was well yeah because they they head out into the into the open water between ireland and england and it starts pissing rain on them Like, it is just coming down hard. And this boat is barely above the waterline. This is a tiny little boat. It is a two-person craft at most. There's a tiny little shelter that is basically only big enough for baggage. (laughs) That's what what it's for. Realistically, they do not survive this crossing. (laughs) That is all I could think. They almost hit the ferry to England, and then they end up dodging it at the last moment and then getting into its wake and following it. So uh, my next note is... And now the dark part, because let's face it, they're probably dead. Like I said, as the, as the, as 
the movie cuts to credits, I just leaned over to my son and went, and then a little text pops up. It says, the boat sunk and they both drowned. But let's say they do make it. How long is their relationship going to last, A, and B, how long before parents freak out enough and Connor's just sick of listening to their shit and he fucking goes home? There's no way this story ends well. I think that's the reason Carney decided to end it with the storm, is to, sh- is to say, look, I know this is doomed. But well, maybe, they yeah. don't. Rafina probably has a mental breakdown at some point. Oh, Connor becomes an alcoholic or a drug addict or something. and Or they freeze to death on the way because it's raining and shit. <laughs> and someone, I'm not saying which of them, I'm not saying it's not both of them, ends up blowing dudes in alleys for money to get by <laughs> oh yeah yeah because what do they have they have she has her headshots and he has his demos and music videos it ends on the storm because carney was I'm, I'm telling you he was saying yeah i know right before the credits roll we get a for brothers everywhere because i guess it all boils down to them being there for each other i suppose yeah i i think that was the real love story that was being told that was the love story that's true is the love between the brothers the older brother wanting better for his younger brother than he had for himself this movie is very sweet and very fun and uh, i really enjoyed it john carney continues to make excellent movies but yeah you know like you got to suspend your curmudgeonliness for this one <laughs> at least at the end yeah let's pretend to be hopeful and say they make it and everything's cool let's at least say that they make it and they get it they get a chance to run after their dreams if they don't catch them you know like they, they, they get the fun of the pursuit. And when they finally go back to Ireland defeated, at least it's defeated at having tried something. <laughs> All right. Rather than defeated at having never tried anything. So that's Sing Street. I'm actually excited we finally got to that one. It's been on my list since we started. This is uh, <laughs> literally the only problems I have with this movie are that, that shitty CGI during some of the boat scenes at the end. And the fact that... Like I said, these songs are too fucking good to have been written by a 15-year-old. Like, that's it. That's the only thing's wrong with this movie. Aside from that, I mean, some certain parts are hard to watch. They never ring false. I never feel that this is just bullshit. The things that are overly romanticized and not realistic are overly romanticized and not realistic because that's how teenagers view the world. Everything is true to character. Everything these characters do is true to character. I believe these characters. I like these characters. Yeah, this is just a damn good movie. You should go out and watch it if you haven't. You absolutely should buy it even. Yes. Give John Carney some support. Watch Once and Begin Again also, which I imagine we'll have to cover both of those at some point because they're both really good. I'm obviously buying this because I buy every movie that we do for the show, but this one, I would buy this even if I had just watched it on Tubi over the weekend. Do you have any final thoughts? Those are your final thoughts? Those what? are my final thoughts. Good. Yeah, fucking buy it. This is, a, this, is, this is a good movie. I agree. I'll watch it again. I've watched this movie a good like 10 times. I don't know because it's awesome it's a little sad it's kind of happy it's happy sad look at that yeah (laughs) like the cure yeah i do like the fucking cure anyways that's sing street that's it we're done happy saint patrick's day and all that shit it was kind of a tertiary connection just because it's fucking it's an irish movie uh uh you want to you want (laughs) to drop some social media there you can follow us on everything at the shark pod the rev has taken over the instagram because i can't fucking be bothered apparently and i suck you can go there and look at his fucking oh, yeah. Yeah. Life, life insights you suck because you're not completely embedded in a fictional reality that is clearly detrimental to the mental health of everyone participating <laughs> in it yeah yes. you're the problem here. yeah i know everything at the shark pod 
occasionally things pop up on there. If you want to do that and, and, and also give us money, you can do that at Patreon, where we have our 2021 the 13th, where we talk about every Friday the 13th movie. And currently, 2022, a year in the asylum, we're talking about all the asylum, well, not all of them, 12 asylum mockbusters that are basically just shitty low-budget ripoffs of uh, big-budget blockbuster movies. The last one, February... <laughs> <laughs> was one of the worst movies we've ever watched. Certainly a low point for the shark pod. Yeah. If you like Fifty Shades of Grey and you want to see how we can totally get not better at all, <laughs> come listen to us because by the time this comes out, that'll be out. This month, I can't remember what you said. What'd you say? I believe we're doing Nazi Overlord. Nazi Overlord. That's right. The mockbuster of Overlord, which was a cool movie. Yeah. Come come check that out. Patreon.com slash Sharks Cross Hollywood. We're going to keep it going. It'll, it'll It'll be fun. We'll see you there. I'm selling it. I'm selling it real hard right now. This is called shilling. You can't wait to get over to patreon.com slash sharks cross Hollywood and donate at any level. It's what you want to do. You should do it and you will. Yes. Patreon.com slash sharks cross Hollywood. Go do that shit. In a couple weeks, we'll be back. I think we decided on the happening. Yes. Yeah. M. Night Shyamalan's first R-rated movie. That's the only way they could sell it. It'll be fun. I've got things to say. Good. Me too. Two, I think. I'm going to make fun of Marky Mark a lot because, you know, he's fucking Marky Mark. Tune in in a couple weeks for that. And until then, stay jossom.